Well, good morning to you, and uh, again, today is uh, Father's Day, and uh, it is uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful day to give thanks. I, I heard somebody this week talking about Father's Day, and that it is the um, least important and less celebrated holiday than any other. And uh, and I thought about that, and then they started talking, and they said, so here's a list. So somewhere somebody compiled a list of, uh, and I guess they, uh, you know, uh, took a survey of some people and so forth about holidays and all of this. But, but anyway, they started talking about, and I think Father's Day falls somewhere like in the 20s as far as holidays, importance, and celebration and all of that. And, and then they made this statement. They said, well... They said, uh, Arbor Day is number 16. Arbor Day falls before Father's Day. I don't even know what Arbor Day is, right? So, so it's not a holiday or, or a, a day or a, of expression or something that, that gets the attention like Mother's Day, uh, you know, other, other holidays, Christmas and those types of things, Thanksgiving. Uh, th- those are days that get more uh, attention, uh, more uh, uh, publicity and, and so forth than, than Father's Day. Uh, I thought about a story. I, I think I've shared this with you before. Uh, if I have, indulge me because I think it's a great story for Father's Day. And, and that is that the, we were at a hospital, and this was years ago, uh, before fathers were allowed to go into the delivery room and be a part of all of that experience and everything. And so there were these three prospective dads that were in the waiting room, and they were waiting for their wives to give birth to their children. And um, one of the guys was sitting there, and, and the doctor for his wife comes out and, uh, and says, Hey, listen, congratulations, you have twins. And the guy was excited. Man, twins, that's incredible. And he said, and it's even amazing. He said, I, I am a coach for the Minnesota Twins. And we're having twins. And he said, that's the coolest thing ever. And so they're all excited. Well, in a few minutes later, a little while later, another doctor comes out and he addresses one of the other men. He says, hey, he says, congratulations, you have triplets. And he was like, triplets? No way. We had no idea we were going to have triplets. And he says, but this guy had twins and he, play, he is a, a coach for the Minnesota Twins. And he said, I've got triplets and I work for the 3M company. Isn't that amazing, you know? And all of a sudden, the other guy just gets up and, and rushes out of the room. And they look around and go, what in the world's wrong with him? He says, well, he drives a delivery truck for 7-Up. So, <laughs> so, you know, fatherhood, being a dad, can be mo- one of the most rewarding and exciting and wonderful things in life. It can bring us great joy. At times, it can bring us sorrow, heartache. Uh, it can be one of those things that just overwhelms us in life, and, and it can be one of those things that challenges us in life. And, and I am here to tell you today that I am convinced that there are no perfect fathers. And uh, there are really, really good dads. And, and there are amazing dads. But there are no perfect dads or perfect fathers in this world. And if your dad is not a good dad, wasn't a perfect dad, wasn't any of those things that we talk about, we talk about the characteristics or the attributes of a dad, take heart, every one of us does have a perfect father. 
And that perfect Father is our Heavenly Father. And He will always be for us the Father that we need, the Father that, that we should have, the Father that meets every need, the Father that does everything that we need Him to do. Uh, he, he is the perfect Father. And He gave us within His Word examples of fatherhood and what it means to be a good father. And the bottom line of all of that today, and, and I can sum up the whole sermon in this. I'm not going to stop there. I know you'd like for me to, but, but I'm not going to stop there. It's this, is obey the Father. Obey the Heavenly Father. And if we obey Him, everything else in life will come in the way that it should come in our life. And so today, we want to look at a father in the Old Testament Scripture and learn some lessons from him about obeying the Father and living in obedience to him as we are fathers or as we are Christians in this life. From Judges, the book of the Old Testament book of Judges, from the sixth chapter, verses six, chapter 6, 7, and 8, is a story of a man by the name of Gideon. And Gideon was an ordinary man who did extraordinary things in life. And it wasn't always that way for Gideon. In fact, if we open up in, in the uh, book of Judges in the sixth chapter, the story of the life of Gideon, we find Gideon hiding in fear. And you go, wow, that doesn't sound like a, a guy that does extraordinary things. Uh, the Midianites had, uh, had come upon the nation of Israel. And, uh, and here's how the story unfolds. They had taken control of the nation. And when it was harvest time, the Midianites and the Malachites, they would come and they would just, just converge on the, the nation of Israel. And they would bring all of their cattle and, all, and they would just devastate the land. In other words, they would bring their cattle into their wheat fields and let them graze. They would come in and take everything that they wanted. And when they left... The, the nation of Israel was devastated. And there was very little for them to live on, survive on, or move forward in life. And so we find Gideon, and, and he's a good dad. He's trying to provide for his family. And he's doing that by, by hiding in, in the, uh, the press, the, the grape press, if you would, the wine press. And, and so it's, a, it's an area that's lower it's an area that's, that's covered and secure. And so he's taking the wheat and threshing it. He's making it into a dual purpose and threshing the wheat to produce the flour and things that they need. And he's doing it there so that the, the enemy doesn't see what he's doing and come in and seize everything that he's doing. So he's trying to provide for his family, which is a good dad. But he's doing it in fear. He's doing it because he is unsure about what would happen if he was caught. He's, he's afraid of what would happen if he was caught. He was, afraid, he was afraid of how that might devastate his family if he was caught. And so he is trying to provide for his family in a very difficult circumstance and situation in life. And as we find him in the midst of that, the Scripture tells us, and that in verse 12, uh, chapter 6 and verse 12, that an angel of the Lord appeared to him and brought a message. Now, here's the interesting thing. 
when the angel of the Lord appears to him, and remember, this guy's hiding, this guy's in fear, uh, you know, and the angel of the Lord comes and says, Greetings, you found favor in the eyes of the Lord, you mighty warrior. What? What do you mean, mighty warrior? This guy's hiding in a hole in the ground. In fact, Judges, if you read those first few verses, it says that all the people of Israel, they were finding places in caves and holes to hide to get away from the enemy. And so, so he's no mighty warrior. This guy's scared. He's hiding. He's running from the enemy. He's trying to provide for his family. But I don't see him as a mighty warrior. I, I don't envision him as a mighty warrior. I envision him as someone who's scared and hiding and trying to preserve his life and the life of his family, which there isn't anything wrong with that. It's just not the image that I get of a mighty warrior. So the conversation continues. And the angel says, God is calling you to deliver the nation of Israel out of the hand of the Midianites. And so I look at that and I go, wait a minute. So here's a guy that's that's hiding out. He's He's trying to provide for his family. He's getting along, and now God is calling him to do something extraordinary. So the first thing I want us to learn today about this in regards to to being a believer and to being a Christian father is that even menial tasks can prepare us for God's future plans. Even menial tasks can prepare us for God's future plans. Here was Gideon very menial task. He's threshing wheat in order to get flour, in order to provide sustenance for his family. He's doing it in a hiding place so that the enemy doesn't come in and kill him or take away his provisions for his family. It's a very menial thing. It's not glamorous. It's not a mighty warrior. It's not a guy that's standing out in defiance of the enemy. But this is a guy that's doing just the everyday things that need to be done in order to provide for his family. And those tasks were preparing him for God's future plan. Those tasks were preparing him to do what God had in store for him next in his life. So I want you to understand today is that that sometimes, while the things of life that we do seem very menial, they seem very mundane, they seem very ordinary to us, very vanilla, if you would, they may be preparing us for God's future plans. They may be getting ready, getting us ready for something that God has in store for us in our future. And so don't just go through the motions. Don't just just go through the activity and and think, well, you know, another day done, check it off, It's, it's accomplished, right? But understand that there could be something behind those tasks that there could be lessons that we are learning and experiences that we are having and things that are happening to prepare our hearts, to prepare our minds, to prepare our lives for God's future plan for your life and for my life. That's where we find Gideon as the text opens today is that we find him doing the very menial, everyday, ordinary thing, but it was preparing him for what God had in store for his future. And that was to be a great warrior. And that was to be a great leader. And that was for him to do what God had called him to do 
in obedience. The second thing that I want us to see is as, as Gideon receives this call of God, he immediately begins to make excuses. And he says, oh, oh, what do you mean me? Oh, we're, we're the least of the nation of Israel. We're the, the poorest of families in Israel. And I'm the youngest of my family. And all of a sudden he begins to make all these, oh, oh, you can't be talking about me delivering the nation of Israel. There are a whole lot more people that are more qualified. There are a whole lot more people that are more important and more significant in life than I am. I'm a nobody. You can't be talking about using me. Let's go look real quickly uh, and see what he says there in regards to that in chapter 6 and verse 14. And the Lord looked at him and said, uh, let me make sure I'm in the right, okay. And, And said, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian, have I not sent you? So Gideon back in 13 says this, uh, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened uh, to us? And where are all of his miracles, which our forefathers told us about saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? And did not now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midians? He says, Listen, where is God? He's abandoned us. He's left us here. He's given us into the hand of the men. He said, we're not anything significant here, and God is not helping us. What do you mean he's going to help us to deliver? And then he says this in 14, And the Lord looked and said to him, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? That's an important phrase right there. But look at 15. And he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my family's house. He says, listen, there, there's a whole lot of other people. And besides that, the Lord's not with us. The Lord hasn't been with us for a while. He has abandoned us. And, and so what I want you to see the second thing today is we talk about being a, a Christian and we talk about being a father is your potential in God's plan is limited only by your excuses. Your potential in God's plan is limited only by your excuses. God has a plan. God has a purpose. He has a direction. But what do we do? Oh, oh, wait a minute, not me. That, that, that's, that's not the job for me. Somebody else needs to do that. Oh, oh I, I, I couldn't do that. Somebody else would be better at that than I. And so we start making excuses. All the reasons why we can't do something. All the reasons why somebody else should do that besides us. And that's exactly what Gideon did. He said, listen, God isn't even with us. He has abandoned us. We're the miracles that our forefathers talked about. We're the miracles about him leading the nation of Israel out of bondage in Egypt and all the things that happened in the wilderness. Where where are all those miracles at, he says. And besides that, I'm a nobody from a nobody family. And, and, and no, no, that, that's a task for somebody else. And, and so if God had accepted his excuses, where would the plan have gone? If God had accepted and left things the way that Gideon wanted things, what would have happened next? But God didn't leave it there. And so our potential to be a part of God's plan and to do what God has called us to do is limited only by the excuses that we make in life. Somebody else. Something else. Not me. That, that, that task is, is not for me. 
third and final thing I want us to see today is this. We move on in the story. And, uh, and so Gideon says, hey, prove it to me that God wants me to do this. How many times have we done that in our life? I, I need some proof. I, I, need, I need a sign. I need something that, that tells me this is really the direction I should go, the choice I should make, or the thing that I should do in life. And that's exactly where Gideon's at. Gideon says, listen, I need some proof. And so, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a, a fleece, and I'm going to lay it on, on the press floor. And he said, and when we get up tomorrow, if it is wet with dew and everything around it is dry, he says, then I'll know that God really is calling me to do this thing. So I, I need that proof. So they get up the next day, and what happens? You read the story, you know. The fleece is wet. All around it is dry. And God says, you're the man. i got a task for you. Now, Gideon immediately stands up. And, and he becomes emboldened in his heart, and, and he's thrilled at the opportunity to be God's man and to do God's task and, and to follow through, right? No. What do he do next? Well, well, let's be sure, okay? So here's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to lay the fleece out, and I want it to be dry and everything around it to be wet. And then we'll be sure. So he didn't take the first proof. He needed a second proof. He didn't take God's first sign to say, you're my man. He wanted another sign for God to say, you're my man. We know what happened, that he did provide. And so, so what I want you to look and to see together with me, drop down, if you would, in that sixth chapter, and let's pick up in verse 35 and read on together there. And notice what it says. And he sent messengers through Manasseh, and, uh, and they also were called together to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher and Zebulun and Naphtali. And they came up and, to meet them. Then Gideon said to God, If thou wilt deliver Israel through me as thou hast spoken, behold, I will put a fleece on the floor and the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece, only then. And so he says, Hey, listen, I've got to have this proof. Now read on with me. And it said, And it was so. When he arose early the next morning, seizing the fleece, he drained the dew from it. Then Gideon said in verse 39, I want to get all the way down to 40. Same thing, it happens, the test, reverse the test. And then in verse 40, and God did so that night, for it was dry only on the fleece, and the dew was on all of the ground, and Gideon became God's leader because of God's word. Gideon became God's leader because of God's word. God said, this is the task that I have for you. You are the man for the task. In our case, the man or the woman for the task, whatever that might be. And Gideon was only trying to provide for his family. He was only trying to be a good dad and take care of his children. But through doing that, God saw something in him that would cause him to be a leader and a warrior and to accomplish God's plan and God's task. And so I want to encourage you, don't let a fleece be a substitute for the wisdom of God's Word. You and I need to believe, have confidence that God is who He says He is. 
and he will do what he says he will do. And we need to obey him. Gideon made excuses. Gideon needed proof. All of these things that we see taking place in his life. But ultimately, God had a plan. And in his obedience to God's plan, God delivered the nation of Israel through the leadership of Gideon. We, we know the rest of the story. If we read on in verses 7 and 8, all of these men begin to gather and they come to be a part of the army to fight. And God says, nah, there's too many. Gideon says, what do you mean there's too many? He, said, he says, we're insignificant compared to the enemy. He said, they've got thousands more than we do. God said, yeah, but, but if you take this many, then they might think that you, you and those soldiers accomplished it. I wanted to be sure that, that it was me. I wanted to know that it was my power, my deliverance. And so he said, anybody that's afraid, anybody that doesn't want to die, anybody that, that's not up to the task, go home. A bunch of them left, right? Then he said, yeah, there's still too many. He said, let's divide them up. He said, if they go down to the water and they bend down and drink like this, then he said, separate them over here. If they reach down and take the water in their hand and drink it, then separate them over here. When he separated them, there were 300 left. And he said, that's your army. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Gideon, through this experience, had learned to trust God. And Gideon said, if that's the army, that's the army. God, if you're going to deliver and you're the one that's going to do it, then I'm going to follow you. He doubted in the beginning. He had questions. He made excuses. He needed proof. All of these other things. But when it came right down to it, he had seen the hand of God. He experienced the power of God. Knew the presence of God. And he said, I trust you. And if you say I can do it with 300 soldiers, then we're going to do it with 300 soldiers. And God sent Gideon to conquer their enemy and to set his people again free once again from the bondage and the overpower of their enemy. So, so what we need to learn today is if we want to be good fathers, good mothers, good Christians, then we need to learn to obey God, trust Him, and follow the plan that He has for our life in obedience and faithfulness. So this morning we're going to sing an invitation hymn.